Welcome to the Immerse Podcast, where we look at God's Word to see why it matters for us today. Welcome back to the Immerse Podcast. My name is Keith, and I'm joined by James, and we are here today enjoying a really nice cake that someone has made for us with our coffee. It is a it is a fantastic cake. The Swiss chocolate in this cake really makes it. Is it a Swiss cake? That's what the note that came with the cake says. Oh, so it seems very heavy and it weighed. Is a den- it is a dense cake. But it's weird when you take a piece of it, it seems lighter, but altogether it seems very heavy. I'm sure cake people would know why and how this is possible, but... They, w- they would know the specifics. Yeah. It's good though. It's a very nice cake. It's very good. Yeah. Not too sweet as well. Hmm. So this is our food podcast. <laughs> yeah. Now, today we are looking, uh, continuing on in the book of Revelation, and today we are in the church in Philadelphia. And uh, I'm going to kick us off today by reading, I believe James told me before that it's my turn. So Revelation 3, uh, we're looking at verses 7 through 13. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut who shut and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word, about patient endurance. And I will keep from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Nice. A lot of stuff going on there. And Mm. James, I believe this is the second one in addition to Smyrna that is primarily positive. There's not a lot of comments from Jesus about things that the church needs to work on other than Mm. holding fast. Yeah, there's some not great stuff happening around them, it looks. But I'd agree with you that the church themselves, they're not reprimanded on anything in particular. Right. Yeah. So I read that uh, Philadelphia as a place was the youngest or newest city of the seven that were written to in this part of Revelation. And it was founded as like a, a missionary city to spread Greek culture. Hmm. around um it was quite prosperous because it would occupied quite a lucrative spot between east and west so lots of trade would come through lots of ideas and culture and uh, i guess religious worldviews and the like as well so it's a great place to have a church because there's this wonderful open door through which they've got to evangelize and work and trade goods and ideas and cultures and and all that good stuff that comes together when people come together Hmm. yeah so it sounds like quite an interesting place 
Interesting. And you were also telling me, James, about um, kind of a reference to Isaiah or something like that. Yeah. Talking about this open so, and shut door. What verse was that in? Uh, right at the start of the passage, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. So Jesus described as holy and true and having the key of David. And that goes back to Isaiah 22. Uh, and as David controlled access uh, to, I guess, to the nation of Israel when he was ruling the nation of Israel and the the kingdom of God's people on earth as such, if that's the right way to phrase it, uh, then here Jesus controls our access to the kingdom of heaven uh, now, you know, perpetually and in an ongoing kind of way. So... We read, don't we, in John 14, that he is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So as David ruled on earth and controlled access in and out of God's people as such then, Jesus now kind of fulfills this role in a bigger and better way in that he controls access to the kingdom with this, uh, we read, the key of David. And it's mm. one of those things that if you just read, you just read over it and... You never really take the time to stop and wonder and think and check, you know, I wonder what, what is that? What does it mean? What's going on? But when you look at stuff like this, I think there's just a wonderful, there's all these arcs and, you know, Bible teaching the Bible. And you see that so much of what's going on in the Old Testament, whether you realize it or not, is just a preview of, of Jesus coming. He fulfills so much more than most people would I would assume or would think really even little things like this you know james i've got a couple of thoughts first of all talking about david and this is not necessarily directly related to what we're talking about here but going back to a podcast you and i were listening to earlier today and having a discussion about redemption it's really fascinating to me and maybe encouraging to anybody that's listening to this that god is a redeeming god david of course had some incredibly bad things that he did <laughs> We all know the story of David, yet here, how many hundreds of years later, and still today, David is referenced as someone who has a major role in God's plan. So to me, if anyone is listening or is attending a church and they're thinking, oh man, I've been caught in this horrible sin or I can't be redeemed, maybe God is just, you know, Satan wants people to think that God has no plan for them. But to look at David, to look at somebody who has all the reason to be permanently excluded from God's plan, but to be included and be redeemed to me is really encouraging as a fellow believer who, you know, none of our lives are easy. None of our lives are, oh yeah, we've arrived. We're Christians now, so check. We've got that box done. We don't have mm. a struggle. We all struggle with stuff, but it's it's encouraging to me to read about David here later on in this uh, to, to see what's going on with yeah. him. Yeah, and the, the, the thing that I would always go back to with David as well was that he had a heart for God. So he, he you know, he did... He did do terrible things, and like you said, people still do terrible things. But I think at the core, David wanted to repent and, and return to God, didn't he? And I think sometimes people can, not that you did, sometimes people throw it out there really lightly that, well, you know, look, David did David did terrible things, and uh, he's referenced in a positive way, so you don't worry about your terrible things. And you kind of gloss over the fact that, you know, David was mortified by the things that he did and realized the the sin in them but yeah at the core it's great that he did all these 
and I'll say that again, at the core, it's great that after having done these things, he realized the sin in it and repented and, and returned to God. Yeah, redemption is, you know, it's a perfect demonstration of God's love, but at the same time is holiness, because mm. if God wasn't holy, there would be no reason to repent. It just we're all accepted no matter what. But because mm. he's holy, we repent, we're redeemed. Mm -hmm. That's The other thing I wanted to mention, James, is that uh, I happen to be married to someone who absolutely loves doors. Doors? Doors. So when we travel, we've traveled all over the, the Middle East and different parts of the world, and you know, you see these old mm. classic doors with the decor and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we've always got to take pictures. Yeah, my wife does that. Oh, really? I wouldn't really put her as a door aficionado. Yeah, my wife as well, lover. but she loves doors. So we've got pictures in our house of doors. <laughs> of doors. Really? Yeah. I've never noticed. So she really loves doors. And so I have this imagery in my head because I'm constantly faced with looking at doors. <laughs> Jesus is opening and shutting a door. And so immediately that's real to me because I'm thinking about doors because of my wife. But in the churches today, I believe that there are many opportunities that are afforded us. Uh, whether it be in an expansion of, uh, you know, kind of outreach or whether it be in a new ministry that started. I know that in our church, James, there have been many people who have came and wanted to start a new ministry. So one thing that I have been thinking through is this imagery with my wife being mm. really into doors that um, Jesus opens and shuts doors. And so therefore, I believe, James, in our church, as demonstrated here, Christ speaking to this church in Philadelphia, and by extension, us as a church, we have lots of opportunities that sort of come down the pipe. And we can either recognize those opportunities and know that Jesus is going to give us the endurance and the patience and all that we need to get through that or we can kind of shy away and say well is this really an open door i don't know if i really trust this and i think it's mm. a moment of belief and faith and trust in christ because christ here is clearly encouraging the church i'm going to open a door for you and no one's going to be able to shut it so i'm i'm the controller of the door here kind of like the lampstand example mm. i'm giving the light I'm opening the door. Therefore, I want you and Faith to walk through the door and take action on it. Um, and so as I looked at this, I saw that there were basically three things, three ways that Christ encourages those who have an open door. Uh, number one, in 3.9, he said that he would fight our battle, battles for us. So in this text, we've got these uh, people who are from the synagogue of Satan, kind of an intense description. I wouldn't want to be those people described as synagogue of Satan. Mm. Uh, but these were people that were opposing their plan. And so we know that in our churches today, we've got people who, you know, the pastor has a vision for a new ministry or there's a new kids program that we want to start. And there's always opposition. And I'm not necessarily saying those people that are opposing you are from the synagogue of Satan, but there is always opposition. And if it's clear that Christ is opening the door, it really is important for us to take action. I've heard before that faith always has to do with our feet, right? So if we're not moving, do we really have, we can sit in a chair and say, I've got faith, I'm not moving, not doing anything about it, but I've got faith. But we need to actually move and do something with that mm, idea, right? I I've heard somebody talking about that. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Tony Evans. Maybe it was Tony Evans. Yeah, I know you like a bit of Tony Evans as well. Maybe it was. About faith in your feet, yeah. Faith in your feet. But I've heard, I've heard that from several sources. But if you think about it, really, you can sit and say, it's just like believing in Christ. I believe in Christ. Of course, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to be involved. But I believe in Christ. I, do you, what's, what's that? I mean, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. You know? It's just a, a snazzier way of talking about, I think, what James does, where you read, 
you know, some have got faith and some have got works, but I'll show you my faith by right. my works. So it's right. not doing works to earn favor with God. Right. It's doing works. But it's an example of yeah, what's inside. It's just an expression of your faith, yeah. Right. So secondly, uh, Christ said that he would keep us from tribulation. So in uh, verse 10, um, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is to come. So that's a second encouragement about this open and shut door that not only does he fight our battles, but he keeps us from the hour of tribulation. Mm. Um, and, and that's, that's a great proof about what we're going to be reading more about in the tribulation, the great tribulation, but on an hour of tribulation, I don't think it means that Christian life is always rosy and easy and, you know, we're always well and we never have a struggle. But what it does mean is inside we can have joy going through that, knowing that Jesus has opened the door. Jesus is taking us through it. And we don't have to sort of worry about the outcome because we know the outcome. Mm. Um, finally, James, I saw that Christ will honor the church. Um, everybody likes to be honored. Uh, our, our lives are filled with trials and difficulties. Things are messy. But here in verse three, uh, sorry, ver chapter three, verse 12, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never he will go out of it. I will write on him the name of my God. That's, that's pretty intense imagery that we are a pillar, uh, the church and, and the temple of God. So I know that we've heard the bride of Christ, which is also amazing imagery where the bride of Christ is the church. But all of these three items, I believe, really should encourage us, the church, to seek out opportunities. And when Christ does open the door, we should pray for open doors. And I know that sometimes Christ doesn't open the door for ministries or so forth and so on because of various reasons. But if he does, we really need to act on it and not just kind of be stagnant and not mm. think, oh, we can't trust God on this. It's This is not going to happen. Yeah, I think... Often people get it the wrong way around. Uh, I'd suggest that when it's when God is not in it, that becomes really clear really quickly. But if people are, you know, laying out a fleece and looking for sign and sign and sign and sign before you even take a step and start something, well, then that's again. I'm going to suggest that's not walking by faith, is it? If you if you're going to start something, you're going to take a venture in faith if it's not right and if it's not God's timing and if God's not in it that will become really clear really quickly like you were talking about churches and new ministries and the like and maybe it was maybe it was this time last year when we talked about like a young adults ministry or a career ministry in our church and you and me talked about it and prayed about it and drew some stuff on the whiteboard and strategized it and then you put it out there and nobody really wanted to get involved with it so you know but we tr we tried it we didn't lay out fleeces and look for signs and stuff before even throwing it out there you, we put it out there and that door at that point in time was not open for us was it but if we'd have talked about it first and then done nothing about it until you know it probably would never have tried and i think it connected a couple of people right who are still connected with each other which is great right but you know if we'd have not had sorry if we'd have not stepped out and offered it to people those two or three people now wouldn't be good friends but god wasn't in it you'd have to say at the time so it wasn't the right time for it but 
Do, do you see what I mean? If Absolutely. It's better to, I would suggest, it's better to try and find out that God's not in it and it doesn't work than just sit around waiting for a private revelation to smack you in the face. Well, James, on on an opposite end in our church, uh, we used to meet in a different hall. And so that hall became limiting because we had lots of people coming and there were definitely some growth issues. If we wanted to have more people be able to make it to church, we've got to make a change. And so you stepped out and made some contacts. And I know that there was a lot of background stuff that happened on that. But at the end of the day, we've been meeting in this new place and it has allowed us to grow. It's allowed us to do more things. But if we were to just sat in a room and did some spreadsheets and nothing wrong with spreadsheets, but if that's all we did, <laughs> we said, okay, we think we should do this, but we're not going to make any calls. We're not going to do any positive effort to move that forward. Then mm. Christ could have been standing there saying, hey, guys, look, I've opened a door. Yeah, like holding the door open for us. I've got yeah. the door holding open. Yeah, there's yeah. there's people here that are allowing you to meet in this new hall. Yeah, well, yeah. because we, traditionally we've always been in this hall. We don't yeah. want to move. And I, I think that's the message, at least from what I'm reading, that Christ is constantly opening doors and providing. And us living by faith and knowing that those things are there allows us really to live by his power, not our own power. If everybody's depend, if everything is dependent on what we do, then we're not going to get much done, are we? I mean, mm. Jesus clearly says, without me, you're nothing. So it, it, in John, so it, it really depended on us having faith and moving along his... Yeah, exactly. I think about when you said not getting much done, like I've done very little this week because I've had five trips to the hospital, uh, but yet the church is still here and the church is still healthy and the church is still caring for the church and the like. But... I've not done as much as I would usually do this week because I've been occupied and indisposed elsewhere. And then you realize that really it's not, you know, the, the church doesn't function because of our human efforts and powers. Because if it did, then it would have fallen apart this week because I've barely been here for one reason or another. But yet, because the church is not fundamentally powered and driven by human effort, then it's fine. Yeah, that's, that's a great word, James, that uh, everybody who has a role to play in the church, from the one who's greeting to the one who's doing children to whatever we're doing, it's all by his power. Mm. If it's dependent yep. on us, then it will probably always fall apart. Oh, yeah. Yep, well, there's, there's talented people out there, but everybody has weaknesses, and Christ is yeah. our strength. So Absolutely. It's a great message. Well, James, do you have uh, other thoughts on this? I mean, it's a pretty clear message, and I guess it, it is uh, wrapped up here with... Christ encouraging us to hold fast to what we have. Yeah, hold so fast no one... to the teachings of Jesus set forth in the Word of God. Like you said, it's fairly simple. It's fairly straightforward. And that major blessing that you're going to be kept from the hour of trial that is coming. And it's a really key verse that speaks into a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Right. The, the, the church, the living body of Christ around the world in loads of different local expressions will be saved and taken out of the the tribulation this coming hour of trial right but um yeah like you said it's a fairly straightforward like look, you just got to hold fast to the teachings hold fast to the word and just yeah. like in a lot of these letters the the recurring theme is we we started this whole series james talking about these lampstands and the power and I keep coming back to that imagery in my mind that if we put Jesus at the center of our life and we put God's word, 
his writings, I mean, this is Jesus talking here, if we put that instruction at the center of our life and live by that and cause that to be the standard, I, I, th- I think that's pretty much what the point is. If mm. And it sounds easy to say it's a whole other thing to live day mm-hmm. by day. You come into a point and, I mean, me all the time I struggle with, hey, I can get this done, I can do this, I can yeah. do this. Instead of saying, Jesus, please help me, I need help through this, I need you to do this for me. Uh, living yeah. a life of dependence on Christ is challenging yep it is and then you think about the words in is it Zechariah not by might and not by power but by my spirit because then naturally that's not the life that we're going to choose and naturally that's not the life that we're going to live but right through that indwelling power of the spirit then that's the life that we can live right well, that's exciting, James. I believe uh, next time we're going to talk about the church in Laodicea. Yes. And it'll be exciting to hear the comments and see what the Bible teaches us in that church. See you next time. <laughs>